0: Off we go into the Thursday edition of Pushing the Limits here live from Las Vegas here, KSHP Studios, here on the west side of the Vegas Valley, and of course streaming all over the World Wide Web. You can find us at the YouTube page at PTL Vegas and uh throughout the week as Brian Shapiro hosts the show. You can find us on TikTok, you can find us on Twitch, across the board, and beyond. My name is Chris Win in for Brian Shapiro on this Thursday, along with Justin Chuck here live in the lavish studios of KSHP <coughs> excuse me a number of uh topics to get into obviously uh with a, a tremendous amount of uh news and uh stories that have gone on in the past uh, you know 24 hours alone uh that we're going to be able to dive into we love to have your takes your opinions your viewpoints expressed at the studio line 702-221-7283 is the phone number uh you can find us also on PTL Vegas on X slash Twitter and beyond uh, uh, under under Brian's page. You can find me also at Christian Wynn on social media as well, too. Justin Chuck Radio also is not afraid to uh, chime in and uh, and take some of your comments as well, too, as uh, we get things heading towards the weekend. Obviously, major, major news here in Las Vegas and not good news. Of course, we're dealing with the shooting at UNLV, a individual who was uh, apparently applying for a job at UNLV, uh, had a background uh, as a professor uh, on the East Coast and here in Las Vegas, uh, in the Las Vegas area. Uh, Just an absolutely horrific crime that cost the lives of three people there at UNLV and one person in the hospital. Uh, Good news on that front, that uh, person uh, was admitted in critical condition, Yesterday has been upgraded to stable condition now. So uh, the indication, every indication is that uh, there's a real good possibility that person can survive. So that's good news out of this. But, uh, of course, we'll have a lot of comments and uh, and uh, we'll take a look at this story from a lot of angles during the show today. And kind of break down things. Because, as you can imagine, myself, Brian Shapiro, others when we jump on social media Justin Chuck people want to immediately start going the political route and look it's justified with certain situ- with uh certain scenarios here obviously i'm talking about the, you know the gun control debate um, what it is that we deal with on a daily basis here in the united states of america that is unique to our country that other countries simply don't deal with and so i'm going to get into all these angles throughout the show obviously also Of note, last night, it was the uh, primary debate on the GOP side of things. It was aired on the uh, streaming service News Nation. It was also aired, I believe, on Rumble and some other outlets that uh, you would get your favorite viruses from. (laughs) That's the way I'll describe it. Uh, Some of these outlets that uh, aren't, aren't necessarily super credible, but that's where the debate was last night. You had, obviously, Chris Christie, former New Jersey governor. You had Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor. And Ron DeSantis, current Florida governor, as well as Republican firebrand Vivek Rivaswamy on the stage and going at it back and forth. And I have a number of comments regarding that as well, too. I didn't watch the entire debate, but I got the gist of it, folks, as I'm sure a lot of you out there did as well, too, uh, hitting some of the key points of the debate. And then, of course, getting reaction across the board, both on the left and on the right, Republican and Democrat and independent and everything in between. So we're going to absolutely take a look at that debate that went down and uh, who won, who didn't win. And what is it all about? And what does it mean? Because the person who is actually leading on the Republican side of things for 2024 was a no show once again at the debate. So, so much to talk about regarding that. On the sports side of things, the uh, last half hour of the show, going to dive into a couple of big stories. Obviously, we have the NBA in-game tournament going on here in Las Vegas with uh, four of the best teams in the NBA uh, here to compete for, I believe it's uh, about five hundred grand each for each player to uh, win this thing. The final is on Saturday. The two semifinal games are today, tipping off at 2 o'clock. That's why uh, Brian Spear's not here. Shap is going to be courtside at the games starting at 2 o'clock. So the uh, two East Coast teams will play, I believe, at 2 o'clock, and then they have the Lakers-Pelicans game will tip off in primetime on national TV as well, too. So going to get into that. Also, big news out of uh, the PGA Tour slash Now Live Tour as well, too, is a huge name. Uh, The number one golfer in the world decides to make a switch. So we're going to talk about that as well, too, in the second hour. But let's dive into it. Last night, of course, we are just steamrolling towards the election season in 2024, folks. We are now in December. There's less than a year left until the election next November. And there are people vying on the Republican side to be the president of the United States and be the nominee for the GOP in early 2024. I mentioned the names of the debate that went down last night. You had Chris Christie, you had Ron DeSantis, you had Nikki Haley, as well as Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, it's always interesting, right, when someone like myself, who, yes, I'm, if you, any of you listen to this show whenever I host it for Brian or when I'm on with him on Mondays, you know my politics. I'm on the left. I'm a Democrat without question. Um, I don't need to go into my entire background of my life. Grew up in Michigan. Uh, went into the military in the late 80s, into the early 90s, then went to college, then worked in the service industry, as well as working as a sports talk radio host for the better part or over a decade here in Las Vegas. And so for the, and for the past 30 years, in and out, I've been working in the media, as well as in the service industry. That, in a nutshell, is my background. I don't know if anybody... I, I, uh, I haven't necessarily done this on the show before, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Midwest born and raised, lived in the Northeast for a long time, went to high school for a year in the Northeast, and then college, uh, and was in the military for a, a, a period of time in the 90s. So that informs my politics. Um, so I'm a Democrat, like a lot of Democrats that probably listen to the show, and Republicans listen to the show, no. Obviously, I'm going to have a different perspective watching four Republicans on the stage vying for the GOP nomination. And also understanding that the main person was not there. Donald Trump, former president of the United States, right now leading in the polls, in every poll, despite the fact that he's facing 90 plus, uh, you know, criminal charges essentially across four different Cases that are, you know, about to go on trial at different dates throughout 2024. We are about to enter into, folks, and I'm sure Brian has talked about this, and I'm sure all of you are well aware of it, if you are sound in mind and spirit, to one of the more remarkable, astounding, use whatever adjectives you want to use, political climate in the history of the United States of America in the next 11 plus months. It's going to be insane. Why do I say that? I say that because the reflection of the debate yesterday just shows us on the Republican side of things just alone. I'm not even, i haven't talked about the Democratic side. I'll talk about Republicans right now. You have four people that were up on the stage yesterday in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That effectively, right now, the viewpoint of those in the know. That know their politics or, or believe they know their politics think have no chance to get the Republican nomination for president. All four of those people. Now, there's obviously discussions about all four of them as far as what their viability is and hey, you know, what, what they bring to the table, I guess is what I'll say. All four of them. And I get that. But in reality, Right now, there's nobody else except for Donald Trump and Joe Biden as the two as the two main pieces going into 2024. Everybody wants to speculate about what could happen, what they think is going to happen. Everybody wants to be an expert. It's not even Monday morning quarterbacking because we haven't even got to Monday morning yet. It's just people that want to chime in with their ideas and their views about what could happen. As far as Joe Biden could pass away, Donald Trump could pass away uh you know the charges when it when it comes to when it comes to Donald Trump how is that going to affect republicans in america and whether or not they're going to stick with him right and keep him at the top of the ticket or you know as as keep him as their guy for the republican party so this debate was classic in some ways because it was just, it was, it was a, you know what show and guys and girls were firing back and forth at each other. Right. Um, I tend to look at these debates, especially these last three, when it came to the Republicans as kind of a dog and pony show, because you got that background of, well, Trump's the guy, right. And he continues to be even though he doesn't have to show up at these debates he continues to be you know the tip of the spear for lack of a better term for the republicans but it's window dressing right it's a it's a chance for us to kind of see the other things the other choices the republicans have if if something goes haywire here or something changes in the next 3 4 5 months so There was a lot of back and forth in this debate, right? Nunchuck and PTL Nation, without question. And so sound bites were flying. And the guy that was really, and I I used the word firebrand, because that's exactly what he was, was Vivek Ramaswamy, right? Not afraid to go after pretty much everybody on the stage. And one of the more hilarious exchanges took place after... Chris Christie kind of went after Vivek and was calling him obnoxious and talking about how, you know, if, if, there was, if you had to choose out of the four who's the most obnoxious, basically, out of all of them, and he was correct in saying it's Vivek. But uh, Mr. Rebiswamy snapped back, Justin, and had something to say about
1: it. So first of all, I think we just learned something from Chris Christie. We hold learned on, three on, things. On, on. We ahead. learned three things right there. First of all, Chris Christie also doesn't know what provinces in eastern Ukraine he actually wants us to fight for. Chris, your version of foreign policy experience. Was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. Yeah. So do everybody a favor. Just walk yeah. yourself off that stage. Enjoy a nice meal yeah. and get the hell out of this yeah, race. When it comes to Nikki, I think if you're going to actually send your sons and daughters while, to go die in somebody weren't else's voting. war. While you 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 weren't better, voting, excuse me, Chris. I'm speaking and I'm not done yet. I haven't you had heard your the chance, time when you are not And we're going to be done. So listen up to this. is If these people want to send your sons and daughters to go die in Ukraine, they've been arguing for it for a year. billion of our taxpayer money sent over, neither of them could even name for you the provinces that they actually want to protect. And this is the people who have been touting their so-called foreign policy experience. It is intellectual fraud. These people are lying to you, the same people who told you about weapons and mass destruction in Iraq to justify that invasion, didn't know the first thing about it, yet they sent thousands of our sons and daughters to go die. The same people who told you the same in Afghanistan, where the Taliban is still in charge 20 years later. Seven trillion of our national debt due to these toxic neocons. You could put lipstick on a Dick Cheney. It is still a fascist neocon. Thank and you, you, Mr. Gotta Ramaswamy. See that today. Thank you, Mr. It's Dick Ramaswamy. Cheney all over again in this party. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Ramaswamy.
0: So that was one of the blasts thrown by Vivek Ramaswamy in the GOP debate last night. Now, a couple of things. It's kind of rich and hilarious that Vivek Rivaswamy is trying to call people out when it comes to their experience, given it's far and away and it's not even close. Who has the least amount of experience with respect to all those things he was talking about on that stage than Vivek Rivaswamy? Okay. Props to Vivek. You know, he's a, uh, a young guy who's been able to uh, make himself a very nice living. He's been, you know, relatively successful when it comes to the business sector in america okay uh on on a scale if if uh, by any measurable right i mean i'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like he's uh you know warren buffett or you know or or somebody that we're going to actually take business advice from but he's done pretty well for himself for his young age you know but the idea that he's going to yeah the idea that he's going to give uh he's going to chime in on people when it comes to their experience and foreign, he was he was trying he was trying to talk smack about Chris Chris about you're going to talk smack about uh, Nikki Haley Nikki Haley can you know talk circles around you when it comes to foreign policy and and substance across the board Vivek so give me a, you know come on now man like seriously you know stay in your lane big guy but this is what he does that being said. We have another clip, too, as well, too, don't we? Nunchot,
2: roll it for us. Okay, you say this, you do this, you you do this, around this around at every head. debate. You go out on the stump and you say something. All of us see it on video. We confront you out on the debate stage. You say you didn't say it, and then you back away. And I want to I'll say what, exactly now, what I said, Chris. I, I'm not I done yet. Well, this is, now look, this is, this man is this man is this man is still a man of This Let me tell you something, this is the fourth debate. The fourth debate that you would be voted in the first 20 minutes as the most obnoxious blowhard in America. So <laughs> shut up
1: for a little while. I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to say you respond to that. I'll take that.
2: I want to say something else. We're now 25 minutes into this debate. And he has insulted Nikki Haley's basic intelligence, not her positions. Her basic intelligence, she doesn't know regions, she wouldn't be able to find something on a map that his three-year-old could find. Look, if you want to disagree on issues, that's fine. And Nikki and I disagree on some issues. But I'll tell you this, I've known her for 12 years, which is longer than he's even started to vote in a Republican primary. (laughs) And while we disagree about some issues and we disagree about who should be president of the United States, what we don't disagree on is this is a smart, accomplished woman. You should stop insulting so her. So I'm going to
1: take this I'm gonna take several times over. So first of all, I think we just learned something from Chris
0: Piston. Yeah, here's the deal, right? Vivek Ravaswami, he's boastful. He's arrogant. And let's be clear. A lot of people out there that are Vivek Ravaswamy supporters i can't believe i'm really saying that i mean they, they they are in his camp they believe in him as someone who should be a you know a leader of the free world which to me i think is laughable but whatever uh they like that part of him they like the idea that you know Vivek goes out there and is not afraid to drop bombs on people and fire away when it comes to these insults now look i mean you 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 know fat shaming somebody you know look you know, it's low hanging fruit Right. I mean, come on. Like, uh, uh, again, and this kind of gets back to my perception of what politics has become really in the last eight years since the Trump era began back in 2015, essentially, where I mean, there really is no dignity anymore. There really isn't. There's no there's no preset decency in America. Immaturity is something that is just runs rampant. You have people that are not afraid to take shots that are uh, like over the top, disrespectful. Uh, like I just the term I use low hanging fruit. Right. They're not afraid to insult people. You know, in in the most juvenile types of ways. And that's all goes back to Trump. He changed the game when it came to that. Right. There was a certain dignity. Uh, especially when it came to the presidency. That existed. Now look, I get it. A lot of Republicans out there listening to the show right now are watching me right now uh are saying, Chris, what are you talking about? You know, what are you talking about? Bill Clinton back in the nineteen nineties, you know, and JFK back in the back in the back in the early sixties. And they're gonna bring you're gonna I get you're gonna bring up Democrats. Yes. There also there there was that back in the when it came to JFK and him sleeping around and you know, and and Obviously, everything that took place with Bill Clinton back in the nineties, yes, the presidency also took a hit there from a credibility standpoint from a oh as if your your children in America will look up to the president as some role model right, and somebody that is morally uh that is more should be morally commended yes, the bill clinton era the j f k era and you know uh, that it took a hit, without question, right? And then you kind of got back to some some dignity, right? I mean, in a way, when it comes to that kind of stuff, once George uh, uh, H. Uh, George W. Bush was elected in 2020, or excuse me, 2000 in 2000 through 2008, we kind of like let it go, and we're like, okay, it's not really a thing anymore, as far as like the whole morality stuff. We don't have to deal with that because you're, there was never any. Uh, scenario that presented itself with George Bush, where he was sleeping around, right, or it was or was having issues like the Monica Lewinsky thing with Clinton and everything that went down with JFK. And uh, and so you had that eight-year period. And then, of course, Barack Obama, again, nothing of substance at all came up with, with respect to Barack Obama when it comes to his family life and, and him. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is, like, there still there it was almost like it did come back a little bit. The decency, right? The nobility is a word I'll use. The respect that you had for the presidency. So fast forwarding now to the Trump administration, right? In 2016, and that was all gone. Trump was not afraid to call people names. He's got nicknames for everybody. Uh the, the way he operates is completely different than any other president with respect to I mean, we bring up the John McCain stuff all the time he said about him. Uh, it just went out the window. Decorum went out the window. Being quote unquote presidential, it's not. It wasn't a thing. Into from 2016 to pretty much now. Uh, again, Joe Biden's been in office for three for three years. I'm not going to sit here and act like there's been some monstrous change in that kind of mindset in America regarding the president, because Joe Biden's been there and he's been decent for three years. I'm, I'm talking about decent as a decent person, right? I'm not talking about his policies or what he's done or anything like that. I'm just talking about being a decent person. So fast-forwarding into this debate, right? That's the that's the landscape we're operating in, folks. That's what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with uh, an atmosphere where there's no there's no guardrails when it comes to decency, and people can have give juvenile insults to people. They can call you can call Chris Christie fat. You can call Vivek Rivaswamy you know a a, a an A uh, arrogant teenager, essentially. You know, you can you can be like Vivek was with with Nikki Haley, where you can insult her intelligence. You don't it doesn't have anything to do with what her policies are, or you don't attack her politics at all, or her views. You just want to call her, uh, you know, you just want to attack her intelligence, and that's all stems from from the Trump era, and and quite frankly, in our entire American society in the last eight years, because of Trump being the president, because he he was enabled to to say the things and do the things. He, he, the, the man got Donald Trump. I know we're coming back to Donald Trump here, but Donald Trump got elected despite the fact that he was on a bus talking about committing sexual assault, uh, sexual assault, as if it's okay if, if you're a celebrity. And Republicans out there and those that you voted for Trump in 2016, you all just rationalized that all away and said, "Oh, it was locker room talk." Locker room talk. Yeah, I've been in a lot of locker rooms, both as an athlete and as a reporter and as a sports talk host. Yeah, is there crude things said in a locker room? Absolutely. But specifically what Donald Trump said is that stuff that's discussed out in the open by normal alpha males in America? Hell no, it's not, folks. It's not. But you rationalized around it. And you said, hey, you know, wow, well, he was just being a guy, being a guy. It's Trump being Trump. And it was forgotten about among other uh, among a plethora of other things that were said by Trump. That was just dismissed because Republicans wanted to have a guy with an R next to his name in the White House. So when we watch a debate like last night, what does it mean? It doesn't mean a whole lot. It just doesn't. And we want your thoughts and your ideas, folks. 702-221-7283. We're going to carry this into the next segment as well, too, when we take a break in a couple minutes here. But I got to get your views, folks, on this this debate that took place yesterday. Do you think that it gave anybody a bump? Does it mean anything in the context of the entire election cycle that's about to start? And so on and so forth. Got to get your takes. Again, the number, 702-221-7283. Let's jump out to the phone lines. We've got Gary on the horn. Gary, what's going on on your Thursday?
3: Uh,
0: Me talking with you, uh, I'll try to win you over, but even though we're
3: both regular army, uh, what do you call it, we're not not the same, but you're a reasonable guy. And uh, I would just like to say a couple of things before I get to Donald Trump and uh, get everybody crazy and stuff. Uh, (laughs) i I don't think the debates mean a whole hell of a lot, but I wish we had debates all the time, like for 90 minutes, because those bit debates, unless you're really into politics or into Republicans and stuff, uh, why don't we have debates about guns or, or, or weather change or or whether uh, the U.N. should give California back to Mexico because they were there first? Why don't we have debates about anything, everything? Why uh, why why don't we have that? I know I sound mentally disturbed. Uh, I'm a little bit mentally disturbed this morning. Otherwise, I'm doing good. Uh, all right, let me just say one more thing. Well, no, no, no Gary. So, you, no, Gary,
0: time out. so l- let me answer your question. Right. You asked the question. I'll answer it for you. Right. We do have debates. It's called the, the House of Representatives and the United States Senate and the powers that be in Washington DC, right? They're the ones at the end of the day, when the rubber meets the road are going to have to make decisions, right? Yeah. We, look, Gary, you and I, a couple of, a couple of, no, Gary, hear me out. A couple of average Joes like you and I, we can go out, have a beer, hang out at a local Las Vegas watering hole and we can banter back and forth. By the way, I do that with a lot of my friends and colleagues where we actually do talk about issues and and people do bounce things back and forth. But uh, if you want to have any meaningful changes, right, or actually things that actually take place, it has to happen in the levers of power in Washington, D.C. So it does, they do debate. They do, there is back and forth. there. But, uh, I mean, you, we would argue that this House of Representatives, it's not really an argument. It's actually a, basically a bonafide fact that this House of Representatives is pretty much inept, hasn't done anything for the past, like, you know, basically the last, well, uh, you know, several months. They haven't done anything. All right, but well, but that's I'll, I'll, where, well, but Gary, yes. that's where the changes would be made. The changes would be made in Washington, D.C., where the powers that be that actually have the power, right, and that can actually do something, will actually make changes.
4: All
3: right, well, I, don't, I can't get into a big philosophical thing, and, uh, I know that, what do you call it, you can sink on your feet and you should do more radio. I'm not into sports like you are. I know you know everything uh, upside down, inside out on it. Uh,
0: no, I don't know everything. I, I'm just I a, just a, look, look, I'm a person. I, I have my takes. I have my views. You know, it's not it's not necessarily me right, knowing well, everything. One, I don't know everything. One regular army. But, just yeah. one regular army guy to another regular army guy. 11 Bravo, my uh, my friend. Fort Benning. It's not no longer right. Fort Benning, actually, when I was there. But, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, They made me run generator sets, and I still have
3: static electricity left over uh, from the old days. Hey, um, I just think that a lot of things that happen outside of politics, outside of, you know, the Senate and all those politicians debating things on the street uh, should be really good entertainment. I know I would be very entertained to see uh, experts from opposite sides of the debate on a regular TV show. Uh, I I don't know. uh,
0: Okay, but Pretty I got to your cool. take. So, just, Gary, I don't know if you saw that. Gary, did you see the debate last night? Did you watch any? Have you seen clips of it? I missed it. I missed it. I don't know okay. what channel. So, I'll ask you flat on. out. Wasn't on- so, Gary, I'll ask you flat out. I, I, I don't know if you're wrong. Why was not on NPR? Okay, no, so I'll ask, you flat out. I'll ask you flat out. Out of all the, all the people that were on that stage last night Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Rivaswamy, and of course, Chris Christie. Who is who is Gary's choice if Donald Trump in some way, shape or form is not able to run in 2024?
3: And it's for the wrong reasons. It's Nikki Haley because of the way politics and the way people vote. Most people are going to say, hey, that'll be interesting. A woman for a change. Oh, and she's a Republican. Maybe she can straighten some of this inflation and, and she sounds tough. Uh, let's get a woman for a change. And and that's exactly where I stand in the, I guess there's more to her than than what I just said, but, uh, hey, that's politics. I'm sorry, but, um, All right. I hey, tend to agree Carl, with you, I appreciate I think- your insight, yeah.
0: and, uh, appreciate your phone call, my friend. Have a good Thursday. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Regular caller. here you're- on PTL, Vegas, Gary, and, uh, he actually sounded kind of sober there. Yeah. yeah he did. He actually, he actually, hey, look, look, yeah, I'm, I, Gary, I'm not hating on you. I'm someone who likes to have a few pops every now and then, too, but, uh. Yeah, but usually he's a little bit uh, more more tanked up a little bit. But seven zero two 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 one seven two eight three is the phone number. You're two to PTL on a Thursday. Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. Let's head out to the phone lines. Carl joins us now here on the phone lines. Carl, we appreciate your call. What is going down?
5: Hey, Chris, uh, good to hear your voice. Um, listen, you didn't mention the most one a really important thing. What's that? What happened with McDonald's and all the other thieves and crooks who tried to put in false, uh, what do you call them, uh, voting uh, for uh, Trump. Fake electors,
0: yeah. And the by election. the way, Carl, yeah, for so electors. guess what, guess what? Top of our number two, that's going to be the topic of choice. So we, I haven't mentioned it oh, yet, well. but we are, yes, we will be getting to it because obviously well, it's a uh, you know, it's a notable story here yeah. in Nevada without question.
5: And, and, you, yeah, and you hear some of the other extreme right-wing uh, uh, people, on the radio, and they say it was nothing. They didn't do anything. They didn't break any laws. They didn't. They only uh, fraud and uh, everything else involved, and tried to put their uh, mentally ill man through rather than uh, uh, you know do it the right way, the proper way. Well, here's way, the, the thing, right? Okay, so,
0: Carl, here's the thing, right? Okay. So, with respect to whether or not it was legal or not, I'm going to defer to the Attorney General here in Nevada, Eric Ford, right? OK, so if Aaron Ford yeah. thinks there is fire where there's smoke there, then we'll see what happens. Right. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a lawyer. I don't I don't know exactly. Well, look, we, when it comes to fake yeah, electors, well, uh, I mean, it, it, if if everybody knows what fake electors are, it's essentially you're trying to uh, work around the actual system. Right. Because yeah. you're you're upset that your guy didn't get elected. Uh, but through but the I, elected yeah.
5: yeah. But by signing the forms, you're in in essence swearing under oath right. that these are correct forms and they've committed crimes and they'll they'll fall down on them, believe me.
0: Yeah, well and and, and Attorney General Ford has pointed that out, right? And so we're gonna we're gonna we can be yeah. able to hash out the details when it comes to that. But I want to get your take though, Carl, because you know you're someone I think I think you're very uh politically aligned as I am when it comes to uh being on the left. Uh, your thoughts about the debate? last I don't know if you had a chance to catch the debate last night or if you even cared about it or if you even think that any of these four people have a shot. But uh, did you have any ideas when it came to what went down last night
5: in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, uh, yeah uh, I did to a certain point. Uh, I think that uh, what's going to happen is I'm telling you right now, mark my words, Trump is not going to be run for president. Because either he will be behind bars, or he will be so legally incapacitated that he won't be able to. Right. And there's going to be some big problem there. And if he can't run, it's going to happen as probably, uh, what's her name? I'm sorry, my mind. I think Nikki Haley's Nikki going to end Haley up having to step up. Might be, might be. But I still have a feeling, mark my words on this, that on a Democratic side, uh, Biden is not going to run. I'll tell you what's going to happen is he's going to pick Michelle Obama as the the vice president. He's going to move his vice president to another post. She'll become vice president. And then what's going to happen is she's going to run and she will completely swamp anybody the Republicans could run. Nobody could uh, could even touch her, Trump or anybody else.
0: Interesting, Carl. Interesting.
5: Yeah, uh, I, I don't know it. how
0: easy it would be to do a, a couple of those things, right? Because I don't know. I, I mean, is Joe Biden going to be able to uh, make a decision regarding Kamala Harris, right? Vice President Harris, as to what she wants, you know, as well, far as what she her wants her to amb- do. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you understand what I'm saying, well, right? He, like, is, yeah, is he going to have that Yeah, he can, he can kind make her an
5: ambassador. Yeah, yeah he, he can make her an ambassador or something or whatever and push Michelle Obama, which I think. The Democrats are going to talk about it and decide she's the only one who can swamp everybody, put her in as vice president, mm-hmm. he'll appoint her. And then when he drops out, she'll take over and win the election. Well, We'll see. But that's what I have a feeling.
0: I like the uh, it's an interesting scenario without question. Uh, and we appreciate okay. uh, the phone call. OK, call. have a great have, have a, a great, great uh, weekend, my you friend. Too. Right?
5: You too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's Carl there here, pushing the limits. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we're gonna continue on this because look, it, it, it's uh it's kind of an uh a uh, huge scope of a discussion here. It started out with with the uh and it's kind of been spearheaded by the debates uh that took place yesterday where you had four uh prominent Republicans right trying to vie to contend with donald trump when it comes to the gop nominations we'll get you more of your thoughts and more of your takes 702-221-7283 is the phone number it's pushing the limits coming away live on a thursday chris Wynn, justin chuck live in the kshp studios you can find us on youtube at ptl vegas and beyond on social all things social media as we continue on your thursday everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Brinkley Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super, hero that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Hey,
6: everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent On-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call, 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo
7: Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada's ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well, so I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Gwynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311.
0: Pushing Limit is coming away live on a Thursday in the studios of KSHP. Chris Wynn, Justin Chuck, in for Brian Shapiro. He'll be back tomorrow. He is down at T Mobile Arena this afternoon as the NBA in season tournament gets down. Uh, four of the better teams in the NBA go at it, and the championship game is on Saturday. As uh, And that will probably be the next game that UNLV basketball hit, takes the court. I believe they'll be in Henderson, if I'm not mistaken. Because of the road of the rodeo here in town in Vegas, of course uh, UNLV basketball were scheduled to play Dayton yesterday, but it was canceled because of the shooting here on the UNLV campus. Of course, the major news that all of you I'm sure are well aware of, unless you're living under a rock, uh, there was a active shooter here in Las Vegas that took the lives of three Nevadans. I, I expect here in, uh, at UNLV, uh, and one person is also still in the hospital and uh a handful of others were also injured in the horrible tragic events that took place at UNLV yesterday. We're going to dive much more into this at the top of the hour as uh, and, and also in the back end of this first hour as well too. We've been talking about the Republican debate that took place yesterday in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It was aired on News Nation and uh a couple other smaller outlets across the web in which uh four wannabes for the g o p nomination other than Donald Trump were on stage and kind of discussing the whole you know scenario and what's about to take place. I talked about it at the top of the show, folks it's going to be crazy the next the next ten months, the next six, five, six months are going to be nuts from a political standpoint in this country because there's so much uncertainty, so much of what we don't know could happen and that is going to happen coming up. Uh, In the next in, in the next election cycle, it's crazy. Who is we, we don't even know for sure who the Republican nominee is going to be, obviously, obviously, since they don't have one yet. And there's, you know, the people there's some prominent Republicans vying for it. And then Trump's still around. Yet, as Carl pointed out on the last phone call, he faces a number of a, a, just a ton of legal jeopardy. And so that puts a monkey wrench in the whole situation regarding whether or not the guy's even be able to run or not. And everybody wants to speculate on, what you know, oh, he's, he's going to be charged by this date or this date. I got to say, and you're not going to find anybody that despises and thinks that Donald Trump is, is the most, uh, you know, uh, inequipped, unfit person to be working as a public servant ever. Right. I don't like Donald Trump. I had no problem with him, really, when he was a, when he was a TV personality I actually found found it kind of entertaining, to be honest with you, on TV. But once you start, you know, once you start to do big boy work, right, and and big girl work, which is public service and working in the United States government. And by the way, this this opinion holds true for a lot of people as well as well as some Democrats, by the way, too, that have no business being in the, you know, that have any control when it comes to power in Washington D.C. But I mean, make no mistake, right now, uh, a large portion, I believe it's 80% plus in the Republican Party, support Donald Trump as the nominee in 2024. And we have all this uncertainty going on, and it's going to be crazy in the next five, six months. 702-221-7283. Got to get your takes on what happened as far as the debate, who you think is viable, right, as a candidate and as someone that could actually unseat Donald Trump as the main guy right now. Is it Vivek? Is it Nikki? Is it, uh, is, is it uh, Chris Christie? And of course, is it Ron DeSantis? Now, the the the, uh, the descriptions of these four people, uh, in a nutshell, are this: right, Vivek's the young guy has some experience, but uh, likes to push buttons. And there's a lot of you out there that are Republicans that support him because he likes to he he likes to to start, you know what, with people, and and that and. And when I follow and I see a lot of your responses on social media, a lot of you people out there, that's like his main that's his main thing that he ought, that he that he brings to the table is that he's someone that likes to just 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 absolutely uh fire away at the establishment right if you if if you talk about Chris Christie, right? you're talking about a guy that's been a seasoned politician, obviously he his issues in New Jersey. We don't need to rehash all of that, but he's someone who's looked at as. Out of the four people on that stage, he's looked at as the guy who is actually going after Trump. Everybody else is just kind of staying away from Trump on the stage. But Chris Christie is the one who's looked at as the guy who's telling the truth about Donnie. Right. When you've got Ron DeSantis, what do you have? You have a guy that has had a military career. Right. Was essentially like Tom Cruise in A Few Good Men. Right. In his younger years. Uh, Just recently became the governor of Florida, doesn't have a ton of experience in politics and is looked at as an awkward, not great politician. But a lot of Republicans that are actual conservative Republicans look at him and say, hey, he could represent us because he's one of us. He's actually a Republican, which I actually do believe that he is. Now, I don't think he's a great guy and I think he is racist and I think that he has real issues when it comes to actually being able to play the game that is politics. And I don't think he's good at it, but I can see where Republicans are coming from when they want to put him up there as someone who represents what Republicans should be. I think, to an extent, Nikki Haley also is someone that is that is like that. Uh, she happens to be a woman. All right. Uh, I'm Captain Obvious over here pointing that out. But she is looked at as someone who's probably the most experienced when it comes to Washington, D.C., right? Out of those four people. I don't think she's she looked at as as she is. I think she is the most experienced out of all those people when it comes to actually playing the game that is politics in D.C. Having worked in uh, a couple of administrations, she's also, uh, you know, been a governor, uh, which, you know, three of the people on that stage have been governors. But and I think that is a good uh, starting point, actually, to be president of the United States is be governor. That's been that's been clearly evident, given the people that we put on the stage or that we that we actually put in the White House have been governors. So I think that's a good thing for her. but her problem is what? She's a flip-flopper. She's looked at as as like the most Democrat-ish out of all those people on that stage, right? With respect to her views on abortion and other things. And some my Democratic colleagues would probably argue with me on that and say, Chris, you know what you're talking about? She's She's just like Donald Trump or just like a lot of Republicans when it comes to abortion. Okay, well, but I think you also understand what I'm saying. When I'm talking about Nikki Haley being someone who... When it comes to Republicans, they view her as too much to the left for a Republican. And so that's the kind of the heat that she gets. And that she's a flip-flopper, too, on issues. But that being said, right now, they're all not polling great. I mean, they're all not really a threat to Donald Trump. And so I want to get your take. 702-221-7283. We're joined by Edward now here on PTL. Edward, we really appreciate you spending some time on a Thursday. How are you, sir? <laughs> Hey Chris, how's it going? It's going good, man. I'm just trying to kind of opine on this and trying to, you know, draw out. I want, I want, I want to get some uh, opinion, some views, some thoughts. Okay. And what's about let's, to take place, Edward? It's about to yeah. get nuts, is it not? When it comes to no, our no. political situation in the U.S., man. No. Okay. No. It's no. about to get yeah, nuts. It's no. No, it's not. No. You don't it's think not. it's going to be? Why? I
8: don't. Okay. So this is, this is my personal opinion. We're all entitled to one. Yep. So I think, I think, I'm just going to throw, I think Donald Trump will be the nominee, but I don't think the Republicans will win it this round. These were a little bit too clustered everywhere. When you listen to these debates, it's a lot of everybody wants to be a chief, but nobody wants to be an Indian. And in that aspect, everybody wants to be the top dog. And I get it. You want to be the commander in chief, but not everyone is designed to be, to have that job, you know? Yeah. And I, I and I, I truly believe this time around the Republicans. This is like a changing period, maybe, maybe a changing guard. We'll stick to Trump, but the Democrats overall, when we go to the election in twenty twenty four, since yeah. the Republicans are just so skitter scattered, the Democrats are more solid right now. I believe they will win again.
0: Okay, so so you're predicting basically that that uh, either Joe Biden uh, or if you know, oh, heaven forbid, something or, yeah. you know, happens with Joe, right in the these next more, in the next more, eleven yeah. months. That the you you yeah. you're, it's your opinion that the Democrat is going to be victorious in yeah. November they're of twenty twenty. right they're more organized they're or more focused on one or two people instead of like you said
8: four or five different people fighting each other these Republicans uh, these Republicans are fighting each other debating each other loudly you know yeah and they all consolidated and said you know what okay screw it okay I can't be the president but I'll see what I will throw my hat or my nominee my help toward one person in the Republican party they would probably have a better running chance but they don't they don't see it like that you know it's like these businesses you know individually they're great but when they merge together they're amazing
0: they can take over well let me bounce and this off you edward like so here's the deal right yeah, please. so With respect to the Republicans, right? And look, I'm not in the business of giving Republicans advice. I'm not. I'm not here to give Republicans advice on how to uh, to fix their issues. (laughs) But but I would agree with you in this sense, right? I think they should. I'm telling you, man. I think they should solidify themselves behind either Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, or Nikki Haley. The Republicans yeah. out there, you should pick mm. one of those three. The whole idea yep. to me is bananas, that they uh, still yeah. think Donald Trump is a viable candidate or is something mm-hmm. that should be is someone that should be the commander in chief of the United yeah. States. Edward, I've talked you know, about this numerous yeah. times on the show on Mondays of when course. with Shapiro and whenever I yeah. fill in as a host. I don't yeah. understand this idea. That a guy mm-hmm. who served for four years as president, right? And I don't need to get into sure. what I think about him as president. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows yeah, I love- that I think he was horrible, yeah. okay? But, okay? But but the fact of the matter is, in modern American mm-hmm. political history, right, a president yeah. who got bounced after one term, whether you're looking at, uh, you know, go back to Gerald Ford, right, in, the, in, in, in nineteen in the 1970s, to Jimmy Carter in 1980, yeah. right? to, obviously, uh, George Bush Sr., right, in 1992. Uh There was never any... Edward, you know what I'm saying? There was never any circle back to those guys, right? There was never any, oh, my gosh, we got to bring him back because he's he's the guy that's going to lead us into the next administration. No! It was never that. It was always looking forward, right? Mm -hmm. So fast forward to 2023 here. I just mm-hmm. I, I am blown away, Edward. I am shocked yeah. that yeah. the Republican Party takes mm-hmm. an approach of, Oh yeah, we got we gotta get Trump back in office. Yeah. We have to. He's the guy. Yeah. He's the only one. And then but at the same Chris, time, these are the same mm-hmm. people that want to say Joe Biden's gonna die anyway in, in March or, in, you know, up. in March or you, April of twenty twenty four. No not 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 apparently just putting it out of their mind. Chris. That that Donald Trump we, is what three years younger than than yeah. than Joe Biden, four years
1: younger, whatever. I mean, nobody, you know, nobody's like, promised. promised tomorrow. Yeah, you know what but, I'm hey, saying. So we, like, it's, it's
0: yeah, to but, me, it's it's so absurd that that mm-hmm. Trump has become that has still maintained this type of popularity, and and Chris. there's this still idea, the strong idea yeah. by millions of Americans, millions yeah. out there that still we, think Donald Trump's need, the guy. It, it just, I I just can't, I can't yeah. wrap we, my head around it. I just can't, Edward. I can't. We, Chris, we need to get rid of two things in this world, in the United States. We need to get
8: rid of the electoral vote, and we need to get rid of daylight savings time. I think if we get rid of both those and we let the people judge, we'll be a, we'll be a better society. Let the people vote, not just as a whole, but just individuality, and let, let the people speak. These pe- when people speak, they want to be heard. And I think that's what we're not doing. We're not letting enough of these people speak. And I'm not talking about these people on... You know, at our own stage, but let the let the regular Joe schmo, you and I, the guy who busts his butt every every day, let let that man speak. You know, he speaks for he speaks the working class man speaks for a majority of us. I would say, could you agree on that? Maybe.
0: Well, without without question, look. uh, But the but to me, the problem is is that it's, it's they have a voice. But how, but how powerful a voice do they have? That's a huge question, right? Yeah. it's it's all we, about we, it's all about who can who has the power in the United States to actually yeah. be able to get things done or to actually move the needle, yeah. right? We yeah. we all have our ideals in our head where we like we're Edward. We have our, our yeah. ideals in our head, right? Where we're like, hey, we wish yeah. we wish that yeah. the, this certain segment of society or this group of or course. these 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 people, the, the middle class, right, or the or the uh, mm-hmm. middle to lower class, had a. a, a you know, more of a say when it comes to all yeah. things USA, right? But we all also understand the reality that, you know, the elites in the country are going to have more yeah. a, of of a, uh, of a dog in the fight, so to speak. Not more of a dog in the fight, but more, you know what I'm saying. More, it, They would have more influence and, when it comes to that.
8: And, Chris, we, we all kind of want the same thing. We want lower taxes— Cheaper gas, a better way to live in the economy because things are getting so expensive and ridiculously high. Like we're we're having to constantly raise up the unemployment rate. I mean, a uh, minimum wage, you know. Like I
0: remember, 10, 15 years ago, when it was like fifteen dollars was a lot of money, and now fifteen dollars is the bare minimum when you get into a job nowadays. You mean to tell me that it, uh, that, that left wingers and Democrats, Edward, you know, we want to have yeah. crime out there, we want to have high taxes, we want people to not be to be out of work, we want uh, you know all the the worst things and possible things that can happen in American society to happen. You, you, uh, that, that's, I mean, it's, you're exactly right, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I'm kind of being facetious yeah. here, and I'm kind of being you know no, sarcastic. No, no, but, yeah. you know, that and, and during Co- B- B- Edward during COVID-19, right, that was kind of the, oh, that's God. kind of the message that you got. Yeah. All, COVID-19 should have never been political at all. OK, because it affects oh, everybody God, no. regardless of your no. politics. It affects us all nope. equally or inequally. Right. Like or we don't have a problem yeah. with it, with COVID-19. Right. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with politics. But there was this idea mm-hmm. out there from Republicans, from a lot of Republicans and MAGA. And even some people uh-huh. that are Democrats that say, oh, you know, Republicans, Democrats just want to lock down the country and destroy economies, you know, with their Democratic COVID policies. You know, it's like, give me a break, man. So, you, you know? so, so you're saying, so
8: you're saying, so you're saying, Chris. <laughs> from Las Vegas, is running for office in 2024. Is this what
2: you're making your statement I, I, about I got to tell you, Edward, hey, and hey, I appreciate that, the phone call, know? man. Have a great
0: weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're go. up against I'll be, I'll uh, the back end of the hour. My, uh, bad. My bad. I, no, I've kind of, I've got, no, not your bad. We're good. Uh, look, I've kind of dabbled about it and talked about it. It's not completely out of the question, but I also understand, you know, who I am and what it is I'm about and what actually uh, I feel that's important to me. And my priorities in life, and don't necessarily know if running for office is a necessary thing that is in the mix right now. But I'm not counting it. I'm not ruling it out. Let's put it that way. I'm absolutely, positively not ruling out. Given that I look at Washington D.C., I look at Carson City, I look at you know the state of politics in America today, and it's very troubling and disconcerting and disheartening for me at times, because there are people that have no business whatsoever. Much less running a 7 Eleven, and that's disparaging of people that run 7 Elevens. But there's people that are in the le- that have levers that have control of the levers of power in Washington, DC, that have absolutely no business whatsoever doing it. It's pushing the limits coming away live on a Thursday. Chris Wynn and Justin Chuck here live in studio in for Brian Shapiro. One hour in the books, folks. The phone line's wide open. 702-221-7283 talking about a lot of things when it comes to politics, obviously the horrific tragedy that took place here as far as the mass shootings concerned in Las Vegas, um, in which they have uh, the shooters actually deceased, thank God, and uh, lives are altered for the, the, the families and friends of the three individuals that were killed and murdered. Um, and one person injured in the hospital. Hopefully, a quick recovery is coming for them. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, this situation as well too here at the top of the hour, as well as uh, much much more. It's pushing the limits coming your way. Follow us on uh, and watch us on the YouTube channel at PTL Vegas. Brian Shapiro, the regular host here, Monday through Friday, twelve to two p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on the West Coast. One hour down, another one to go as we continue pushing the limits on your Thursday. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
1: It's the Thursday
0: edition of Pushing Limits, Summary live here from. Studios of KSHP in Las Vegas. You can find us streaming all over the World Wide web at the YouTube channel at PTL Vegas and uh, throughout the week on on Twitch and beyond TikTok. Uh, Brian's page very popular. Brian Shapiro, the Brian Shapiro page on TikTok here, uh, twelve to two weekdays, Monday through Friday. I'm Chris Win in for Brian Shapiro as uh, we continue to discuss all of the uh, major news going on. And of course, uh, one of those major stories, of course, is is the tragic news here in Las Vegas that took place yesterday, just before noon local time, as a gunman in his late 60s, uh, who apparently had had ties to uh, to a university here in the Vegas Valley, and uh, also to ties to universities back east, was uh, apparently looking to get a job here at UNLV. And was uh, not able to acquire that job and uh, had some animosity when it came to that and went and uh, committed a horrific, horrific crime, killing three people in Las Vegas at uh, UNLV and injuring another as well, too. And uh, then uh, apparently the details are that uh, in a shootout with university police officers was killed and uh, is now deceased. And we do have uh, the identity of a couple of those victims that uh, that lost their lives at UNLV yesterday. Uh, Dr. Jerry Chang in the business department there, unfortunately, is deceased, as well as Dr. P- uh, Patricia Navarro, who was in the accounting department and uh, has ties to my back, neck of the woods, back in uh, when I lived in uh, Orlando at UCF. She went to UCF uh, in her academic career. Uh, are two of the individuals that lost their lives, unfortunately. I believe the third—they're the, going to notify next of kin before they'll be identified, and the individual also, right, nunchuck, Chuck, in the hospital.
7: Yes, but the third one is also a faculty member, as well. And the well.
0: third one is also a member of the faculty. So, uh, and this—this this is a description that's gone out on social media and beyond, all across media, period, nationwide, regarding uh whether or not they're students or members of the faculty, look, at the end of the day, who cares? I mean, it's it's still people that lost their lives. Loved ones, friends are going to be affected I mean, for, for the rest of their lives because of this. It doesn't really make any difference whether or not they were students or not. But obviously, uh, there's the narrative out there also that's that I would say is true, that it could have been much worse, right? It's something that could have been absolutely much more horrific as a— uh, Yes, all four victims of the University shooting were actually faculty faculty members and not students. But we've been discussing the situation regarding this, right? And let's be extremely clear. It was a horrific crime. The individual is not going to unfortunately face justice like all of us would like him to face because he's now deceased. But when it came to the first responders right numchuck and ptl nation and when it came to law enforcement they did an overly commendable job in this situation and uh, it was great to see the cohesiveness and the cooperation between governor lombardo between sheriff mcmahill mcclark county and of course the sheriff of i believe it's uh, i believe it's uh, chief garcia with the unlv police department in how this was addressed and how swiftly this was taken care of. And Sheriff McMahill was there to talk about it. Importantly,
6: there was a gathering just outside of the building where the students were playing games and eating food. There were tables set up for them to build Legos. And if it hadn't been for the heroic actions of one of those police officers who responded... There could have been countless additional lives taken. Armed confrontation of the suspect by law enforcement stopped the suspect's further actions. I'm proud of the courage of these officers and the UNLV campus police and how they demonstrated that today.
0: Major, major props and applause going out to the law enforcement community and those that were directly involved in this altercation with this individual and how it was handled. Unbelievable, right? Uh, with respect to the gunman, don't need to mention his name. He's a piece of garbage. Uh, but some background on the guy, because look, I get, you know, this is a social media age. So essentially, immediately after all this was taking place, you get some people that want to turn this into politics and talk about and bring up his background and, you know, who it is that he followed and who he, uh, who he idolized and who he listened to and all that. And as as if uh, whether or not someone's a Democrat or Republican or on the left or on the right uh, has anything to do with someone committing a crime like this or committing uh, being a perpetrator or some some type of situation like this. But his background apparently used to work at East Carolina back uh, for 16 years as an assistant professor. Uh, And then he worked here in in, uh, Henderson with uh, I, I think it was Roseman University. Between uh, 2018 and 2022, he's trying to acquire employment at UNLV and apparently was either turned down or did not get the job. And so I would, I would expect, and look, I'm sure that uh, law enforcement entities from Metro <coughs> to Nevada State Police and to the FBI are all looking into this and have, uh, are way above our pay grade as far as what a motive is in this situation. But when it comes to the aftermath, Uh, it's going to be talked about in a political sense. We get it. We get it that everybody's going to want to start talking about the politics. And by the way, I understand it when it comes to gun control and that aspect of things. I understand why that's all going to come to the forefront. When it comes to that, as far as the details of the gun, apparently he legally purchased the firearm back in the early, what, 2022. And law enforcement have uh, his cell phone and are looking for clues into reasons, into the motive. So there's no sense in us speculating on, on, uh, you know, things when it, with respect to his legality of having a firearm. And then of course, everybody wants to chime in about this thing called mental health. I don't know how many times I need to say it on the air. I don't know how many times Brian Shapiro or Justin Chuck, or any of anybody that is, has a microphone in front of them needs to say this. Mental health is, yes, an issue in America. And there's no question that a number of these incidents that take place with respect to mass shootings in America, school shootings, workplace shootings, there are all kinds of scenarios in which people might have mental illness or might not, or might just be, have, uh, you know, momentary insanity. Or might, you know, just have a beef or whatever. But I need to be over-the-top clear on this, folks. There's mental health issues all over the globe. Countries all over the country, all over the planet have issues with mental health. Why is the United States the one country that has an overwhelming Presence of shootings like this that go down, of violence like this that goes down, of situations presenting themselves in which we're burying our children, we're burying our friends, we're burying our aunts, uncles, parents. Why is it happening more here than it happens anywhere else? And all of you people that, and I say you people, I'm talking about you people that want to blame it on this or blame it on that and essentially want to bury the gun debate and don't want to do anything about it and want to continue with the status quo as if it doesn't matter it is not the reason you know uh, our gun policies in America aren't the reason why we have these mass shootings that's your, that's your rationale that's that's your ideas about what about why these things take place about why it seems like every day, every week, every month we're chiming in wash, rinse and repeat about another mass shooting in America. And let me tell you something. I know I'm getting on a soapbox here a little bit, but I don't really care. Because I'm tired of it. And I'm just going to point out a couple things. Nothing's going to change in America when it comes to politicians, whether it's locally here in Las Vegas, Nevada, In America, when it comes to gun control or common sense gun legislation, until enough people that have power in America are directly affected by these tragic situations, right? Until enough people who are staunch Second Amendment can never be changed. You you know, you're un-American if you want to change anything when it comes to the Second Amendment. Or change or or have any type of more quote unquote restrictions in America when it comes to the gun debate you're just you're just a bunch of commies, and you don't care about the United States. If that's going to be your viewpoint, okay, you're not going to change your mind until one of your loved ones or one of your friends is gunned down in one of these shootings. I'm sorry, but it's just true, okay? People that have power. People that are senators or House representative members or have some type of power in any way, shape, or form, until you actually have to face the music in which one of your loved ones is killed, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna separate yourself from it. You're not gonna you're not it's it's going to be this is what's gonna happen, folks. The shooting took place yesterday. We're going to be bantering back and forth for the next few days, maybe the next few months, maybe a couple of years, right? And in that time period, by the way, there's going to be many more mass shootings and many more tragedies and many more funerals and many more parents bawling and those of us just absolutely devastated by what takes place and nothing's going to change. There's no indication whatsoever that anything's going to change when it comes to Washington, D.C., the House of Representatives, the Senate, the White House. It's not going to change because the gun lobby is too powerful. There's too many people that are in that are in the pockets that are people that are powerful in Washington, D.C. And it's not going to change. And it's very, very sad. Again, we just talk, I talked about it with Edward on the phone it talked about, you know, Democrats, Republicans. Another false idea, a false analogy, a false premise. That Democrats are down with violence. That Democrats are down with people getting killed. That Democrats want to be soft on criminals. It makes no sense. I don't want my family members killed. I don't want my friends that were at, at, UNLV, that were at UNLV to get shot. Right, a colleague of mine in the sports media, Keviny e. Martin, worked at Channel at CBS here in Vegas in in sports for the last handful of years here in Vegas. She's now a professor at UNLV. She told a poignant and very emotional and moving story on Twitter slash X yesterday of her circumstances yesterday. She went from quick banter with her students and with her colleagues at UNLV. In her classroom, to a situation minutes later, where they're under a desk in the dark, hiding from a gunman and uncertainty of what was going on at UNLV yesterday. How many more of these stories do we need to hear? And look, she got she got out alive, right? Now there there's testimonials of numerous students that 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 took place yesterday, in which you have your life flashing before your eyes, right? You don't know. What's going to happen? It's a crapshoot. We don't know what's going to happen. And you have that scenario take place on the campus of UNLV where you got a bunch of people that are are on lockdown essentially and there's and no one knows what's going to happen. And as I pointed out a little bit earlier in the show, it could have been much worse if not for the quick response of our law enforcement here in the Vegas Valley, of UNLV's police department, and then, of course, of Metro later on, if, if not for them, this could have been an absolutely horrific scene in which many more people could have been killed. And mind you, this is just over six years, Chuck and PTL Nation out there after the Route 91 shooting.
7: So do you want to hear something crazy?
0: So talk to me. Six
7: what? years and 66 days since one October.
0: Well, that, uh, that's super eerie. It is super for, eerie. For the, the mere presence of 666. Exactly. And Satan.
7: It's exactly what it is, though.
0: That's crazy. That's kind of nuts. Yeah. So, but we just, we, 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 this community went through a devastating event just a handful of years ago. And now you're facing that again. Here. And I understand from a politics standpoint where we are in America right now. People want to blame this and blame that. And some people want to sidetrack or they want to divert to other areas when you bring up mental health. Right. And you, and you, and you say, oh, and or or from the gun debate side of things. So when I, myself, a Democrat, and Brian Shapiro, too, and who's a who's an independent who leans left on social issues. I don't know how many times you need to say that, but it's true. Okay. When he comes out and we when we start talking about a shooting like this, right? Or we talk about a or we talk about a workplace shooting or some mass shooting in America, what do people that are on the right or people that are hardcore Second Amendment people that don't want to change anything and don't want anything to change, what do they say? Well, you don't care about all those people that got killed in Chicago. You never bring it up when all, you know, with, with all these, these, ga- all this gang violence in the windy city. What are we going to do about that? Okay. So here's the deal, man. Multiple things can be true. We can try to fix problems we have in Chicago and other major cities, by the way, around the country where there's gang violence and where there's inner city violence, essentially. We could try to fix that as well. All right. But we don't need to play whataboutism. We don't need to play, okay, so look over here, even though we got something going on over here. We can actually address it in a way, again, this is where I get back to the, you know, reasonable people that take a step back, adults in the room, analyze things and want to fix them and not just make excuses for them and not to want to divert into some other area that's not what we're talking about. So, yes, violence in inner cities is a problem. Chicago, it is a problem. Gang violence is a problem. But we don't talk about these mass shootings when we're talking about schools, right, and workplace-related shootings, and these shootings where gunmen or multiple gunmen, but usually one gunman, is using weapons like AR-15s and other weapons that are weapons that are loosely defined, not defined, loosely looked at as weapons of war, okay? And those types of shootings, they're not in the same camp as gang shootings in places like Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, New York, and beyond, and Los Angeles, right? It's not the same thing. And a lot of cases, and especially when you talk about the gun, and I don't want to get too in the weeds here about this, even though I kind of have, because I've kind of gone on a rant here, but when it comes to guns, there is a difference, folks, when you're talking about regulation of legal guns in America and, and our ideas about, oh, we think we should you shouldn't be able to have an AR-15 or some weapon in which you're able to kill as many people as possible in a short period of time, which those of us in the military, that's the weapons that we uh, were uh, had access to is because that is, that's the objective in a war is to kill the most amount of people in the shortest period of time or be the most efficient at it which is why you're able to use weapons like M16s and that in in at, at times of war but there's a difference between shootings in which those guns take place right and we're trying to fix that problem of mass shootings in America and not be the country in in the world that has you know uh tens of times more shootings than other countries do and so getting back to that the point is that they are separate things. We can address them in a different way. We can, we can attempt to solve the problems differently when you're talking about inner-city violence, in which a lot of the guns are illegal, by the way. And gun legislation doesn't have anything to do with illegal guns, folks. Yes, there's laws in America, and there's more strict laws in certain parts of the country, where if you have guns illegally, you're going to go to jail for a long time. You're going to get the book thrown at you. If you're, if you're, if you're possessing illegal guns, if you use illegal guns, but that's not, that has nothing to do with legislation regarding Americans and their ability to use guns legally. It's two separate things, but a lot of Republicans and right-wingers want to conflate the two and bring them all together. And that and that brings you back to what I was talking about as far as like mass shootings, right? What just happened at UNLV, people want to bring up, oh, What about over in Chicago over here and these shootings over here and these gang shootings and this inner city violence? You don't care about that, lefty. You don't care about that, Democrat C. Wynn. You just care about the mass shootings in America that take place by people that uh, are criminals, but they're using guns that that are legally obtained. They're completely different things. I know I use this analogy all the time. Multiple things can be true, folks. Okay? We can walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm, I'm being analogy, an analogy wonk right now. We can address multiple issues. We can have opinions on separate things. Address things on a case-by-case basis. And you don't have to conflate everything to kind of change the narrative or to try to fit your narrative to make people believe what it is that you think. 702-221-7283 is the phone number. Your thoughts regarding the latest news here on the shooting here at UNLV. Numbchuck was bringing up the uh, the X posts and the tweets that Kevin e. Martin had had sent. Uh, quote, unquote, it was terrifying. I can't even begin to explain. I was trying to hold it together for my students and trying not to cry. But the emotions are something I've never want to experience again. Martin said she was texting friends and loved ones, hoping to receive word a suspect had been detained. When another professor came to the room and told everybody to evacuate, they joined dozens of others rushing out of the building. Martin had had her students pile into her car and drove them off campus. See, I didn't know that. So she even went a step further and was taking her students off campus. Once we got away from UNLV, we parked and sat in silence. Nobody said a word. We were in utter shock. This is a sentiment that's, I'm sure, echoed by hundreds of people that were there at UNLV yesterday. Right, Nunchuck? I mean, it was an experience that I'm sure a lot of people were also feeling. Students in the community talked about, uh, of course, uh, what went down. Uh... They were alerted to the emergency by, by a university post on X that warned them. This is not a test. Run, hide, fight. This is where we're at in America right now. PTL Nation, nunchuck and beyond. We are in a situation where we're telling our young people from elementary school, from preschool, from nursery school, to college. Run, hide, fight. We didn't deal with this. I'm a Gen Xer. We didn't deal with this back in the '80s, back in the '90s. And to an extent, I mean, people didn't deal with that. You didn't, and Chuck's a little bit younger than me. No, this was not something that was on the forefront of your mind, right? Nope. When you were coming up,
7: nope, not at all. It wasn't.
0: It is unique to America in the in the from from basically the 2000s on. All right, the, give and take.
7: The worst that me and you had, well, you probably had some sort of like you had the we we had tornado tornado drills every exactly. Tuesday.
0: That was that was, that the, was, most, that that was, was the, the most that was the most scary thing, right? Yeah. When we were in school, the scariest thing that we faced was some type of natural disaster situation. Yeah. Growing up in Michigan, obviously we do have tornadoes, yep. so that was something that did raise its head. But there was never an idea in, in from our viewpoint. It was never. On our consciousness that, oh, that somebody would be rolling up into our school with a weapon and try to mow us down. It just wasn't. And by the way, I'm not just saying, I'm not just using anecdotal evidence from myself. Say, oh, yeah, in my school, it just wasn't. The case. It wasn't something that happened anywhere in my city or my state or that we even thought about, really. It wasn't really talked about. I mean, it happened here and there. Yeah, it did. Here and there. But we're much, we're much more in a place now in America where it's happening all the time. We're talking about this on a daily, weekly, monthly, and of course yearly basis, and it's so distressing. It really is. And I know I'm kind of harping here, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of going on a a super duper diatribe, but it's valid and it's worthy. And it, and it's just so difficult. I mean, I just, I can't, I, I'm frustrated. I'm so frustrated that we, as an entity, that is the United States of America, that is the state of Nevada, that is the city of Las Vegas and beyond, that we cannot figure this out. That we cannot do something to kind of rectify the situation. Are we going to be able to have an end-all, be-all, and fix everything? No. But when it comes to this, you know, the situation regarding mass shootings in America, and and this specific thing, folks, stop trying to get off track. I know a lot of you, if you're listening to this right now, you're just trying to focus on this. I am focusing, and I want you to focus. I'm talking about mass shootings in America, this this phenomenon that's horrible, that's horrific, that's tragic, that's been taking place in more prevalence. In the 21st century. 702-221-7283 is the phone number. I believe we have Vincent on the phone line. Vincent, thanks for your phone call. How are you, sir?
8: After over 40 generations of breeding and short, failure. you have produced a group of friendly, domesticated foxes who display behavioral...
0: (laughs) Yeah, I heard what you were saying. I was trying to figure out exactly what direction you're going. was just just trying to to be... uh, Comical. All right. It's Thursday, so I guess we... uh, A little bit of comedy never hurt anybody when you are having a serious discussion. But uh, make no mistake about it, it is uh, another tragic day. It was another tragic day in America yesterday here in Las Vegas when it comes to uh, three people losing their lives, another person injured in the hospital, and dozens upon dozens of people that either work at UNLV or students that go there are now traumatized for the rest of their lives because of uh, what took place and because of the action of that gun. It's Pushing the Limits coming away live here on a Thursday. Uh, we'll take our final break and we come back. i uh, going to dive into some sports topics because we do have a couple things going on here in town and uh, a couple things that have been affected by the shooting that took place at UNOB yesterday. We'll have those stories and much, much more as we continue. It's Pushing the Limits here on a Thursday from the studios of KSHP. Chris Wynn and Justin Chuck in for Brian Shapiro. Much more on the other side after this. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premiere Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? And you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Hey,
6: everybody! It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent on site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full scale of printing services. From shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage, they're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I
7: sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event. Guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada's ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well, so I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust. And someone who understands a community you call home. Call Blake Gwynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702 540
0: Pushing Limits coming to be live on a Thursday. Chris Wynn, Justin Chuck in for Brian Shapiro as we continue here live from the studios of KSHP. You can find us all over the World Wide Web, the YouTube page, PTL Vegas and beyond. Uh, we've been talking about, obviously, some serious topics when you have a, you know, a mass shooting on campus just minutes away from our studios here. It's it's going to take precedent without question. And, of course, uh, it ends up uh, leading us into other uh, avenues, Right. And talking about gun control and talking about politics in this nation, and of course, as I pointed out at the top of the show, uh, we're, we're about to enter an extraordinary time, folks, when it comes to politics. I mean, the ne- I mean, it's going to be just wild. It's going to be uh, I, I don't want to say it's going to be great because I don't necessarily think a lot of the, the stuff that's going to take place here in the next, you know, six, seven, eight months is going to be necessarily great for the country. But it's going to be unique in a sense of uh, the history of our nation. I don't think there's any question about that. With uh, all the moving parts that are going on when it comes to our election in 2024 and what could happen and what people want to speculate could happen and what could actually go down, it is pretty crazy. But uh, there were a couple sports topics I wanted to get to here on PTL on this Thursday. Brian Shapiro uh, had an opportunity to go down to the uh, practices as four uh, four NBA teams are here in town. You've got the New Orleans Pelicans, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Indiana Pacers, and the Los Angeles Lakers in town in the in-season tournament. Now, the semifinals go down today. There'll be a tip-off at 2 o'clock between Milwaukee and Indiana. Shapiro not happy, Numbchuck, and uh, PTL Nation out there because his Boston Celtics got bounced by the Pacers in the last game. I believe it was on Monday, and uh, Shapiro would have been able to sport his Boston Celtics jersey at the games here today. But unfortunately, Indiana won the game for him. So the Pacers will take on the Bucks. Bucks a short favor in that game. And then in uh, the nightcap, Lakers are in town. So the Lakers are the de facto team here in Vegas, folks. Okay, Laker fans are everywhere here. Lakers are the closest team uh, with respect to the NBA here to Las Vegas. A lot of history here. Played preseason games here. Played regular season games here. Okay, so huge contingency of Laker fandom and Laker Nation here in town of course uh with the events that took place at UNLV yesterday as you can imagine when you've got high profile athletes like LeBron James in town you expect them to reflect on that and that's exactly what LeBron James
4: did yeah my, my brother from back home um me and told me to uh be safe out here because yeah, I heard about the shooting at UNLV. So first of all, my, I don't know, was there any casualties with anybody? So first of all, my condolences goes to the families that lost loved ones. Um, and, uh, you know, families, the friends and everything. Um, it just, it just goes back to what I said before about guns in America. I think it's such a longer conversation, but it's, it's we're the only ones who keep dealing with this same story, the same conversation every single time it happens, and and it just continues to happen. And, you know, the ability to get a gun, the ability to, you know, to do these things over and over and over, and there's been no change is literally ridiculous. It makes no sense that we continue to use, lose innocent lives, and, you know, on campuses, on schools, at shopping markets and, you know, movie theaters and all type of stuff. It's just it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the fact that we haven't changed anything has actually been a lot easier to actually be able to, to own a firearm. Um, it's, it's, it's stupid.
0: Yeah, NBA superstar LeBron James weighing in with his thoughts regarding gun control and uh, how things are handled here in the United States and, of course, uh, the tragic events that took place here at UNLV. I didn't use that clip because I wanted to circle back and keep talking about the shooting at UNLV. But I will say this, look, it is important that we have our sports superstars or, you know, anybody that has, uh, again, a platform and a following like athletes like LeBron James have when they speak their mind. I'm not going to sit here and act like LeBron is some expert, right, when it comes to public policy or, you know, politics or, you know, gun control or anything along that matter. But a lot of what he said is going to be echoed and the sentiment is going to be echoed by people like myself and others when it comes to that. So bravo to LeBron for talking about that and, uh, and uh, expressing his condolences and his thoughts and his feeling, true feelings regarding that incident. But getting back to the NBA coming here to town, right? So this is kind of a precursor, Nunchuck and PTL Nation, to the NBA coming here full time, right? This is a market here in Las Vegas where we already have the NHL. We already have the NFL. The NFL is, you know, the the king when it comes to all things team sports in America. So that's already a monstrous deal that we have that we have the Raiders here in Vegas. But I would argue that the second biggest is probably the NBA, right? And a lot of you out there who are sports fans here in Vegas probably share the same opinion that I do. That I thought the NBA was going to be the first one to come here. I really did. Being that this is a basketball town, the UNLV Running Rebels, say what you want about what they've been in the last 20, 30 years. They are one of the few schools in America that has a national championship that they can claim. They are a name program that was in the lexicon of American pop culture back in the ni- or, you know, early 90s, late 80s, and into the 80s. Uh, and so it is a program that matters when it comes to college basketball and basketball, period. So I thought, The NBA was going to be the first team that came here. Obviously, I was 100% wrong because the first team that came here was a hockey team. And it's kind of extraordinary how it's all shook out when it comes to the support that the Vegas Golden Knights get. It's turned into a hockey town. It really has. No pun intended because I'm a Red Wings fan and, you know, we have have the uh, copyright, I believe, on hockey town. But I digress. I thought the NBA was going to be the first to come here. It has not only become not the first, now it's probably going to become the last. Uh, Or it's going to be neck and neck. Because obviously we understand that it's probably, what, 98% now that the Oakland A's are going to be coming here. So we're going to have Major League Baseball here. And so you're going to end up having, by 2030, you're going to have all four major sports here in Vegas. And it's going to be a bona fide American sports town that you have all four teams. Which is a big deal. So you bring this tournament here, right? Now we've had other opportunities to see the NBA here. I brought up how the Lakers used to be here when it came to uh, regular season. I believe when they were having issues with the state, with the arenas down in LA, and then of course uh, with the uh, preseason games they have here every year because of the Laker fandom. And so we've had opportunities. We saw the 2007 NBA All Star Game come here. Obviously, uh, myself, who worked in the service industry at that time. Uh, on the Las Vegas Strip at Caesars Palace. Uh, There were some issues with that when it came to it, but as far as the NBA is concerned and those events that took place with the NBA, with the All-Star Weekend, everything that went on at the Palms and all the other spots around town, it was a a success from that that angle. uh, But there were some issues when it came to the service industry angle and and the hospitality angle on the Strip. I get that. So, uh, obviously that was We're talking about 17 years ago, right? So, uh, and there's been discussions for the last, like, you know, dozen of years, teams moving, right? Whether it was the Pelicans from uh, New Orleans, back when they were the Hornets, I believe. You had the Minnesota Timberwolves having issues in Minnesota. uh, You know, Oklahoma City. uh, These other spots, right? Where where the teams were suffering or whatever, and they possibly could have moved to Vegas, but never moved to Vegas, right? So now we have the latest rendition I'll say in which you've got the NBA talking about expansion and it's it's become abundantly clear that the two teams that are talked about or the two, excuse me the two cities that are talked about for expansion are Seattle and Las Vegas right so now fast forward to now where you have this in-season tournament now it's kind of an entity that a lot of people don't necessarily uh casual sports fans don't necessarily know a whole lot about they, they're they aware of it, but they don't know the details of it. la da da right? So we have the semifinals here. It's another opportunity to showcase the NBA. Uh, by the way, I left out the NBA Summer League, which is kind of a big deal too, because that's a super cool thing in the summertime when there's nothing going on. Uh, I shouldn't say nothing, but there, where there's limited things going on here in Las Vegas, and the NBA Summer League's a big deal here in the summertime. But talking about this in-season tournament, it's another chance to spotlight the NBA here in Vegas. So we'll see how this all goes the next few days here. Um, and of course, it's going to be affected because of the shooting at UNLV. I, we'll see how much of it affects it as far as like attendance or you know, or, or if it affects it at all. But uh, it's another chance, right, for us to see how the NBA is received in Vegas. Now, the difference between this and a lot of other situations when it comes to the NBA being here A lot of times it's preseason, right? When you're talking about the summer league, it's not, you know, the full teams. These teams are all here intact. You're seeing the best players on all these teams, right? This isn't preseason, right, where you're going to see guys who might be bagging groceries in a few weeks that are on these teams. These are the superstars, the best of the best playing for these teams. And you have, again, a team in the Los Angeles Lakers who is essentially a home team. And you have a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, who is a team that's been uh, an NBA champion and a contender. The only thing that would make it better, maybe, is having the the Denver Nuggets here because they're the current NBA champions. But it's going to give us an opportunity here in the next few days to see, you know, to kind of receive the NBA again. And maybe it'll drive more into the heads of the powers that be at the NBA or, you know, potential owners of NBA teams in Seattle and in Vegas. That it's even more of a of a good thing to have an NBA franchise here in town. I think it's going to be a great thing. I think the city of Las Vegas will, ab- I think the Las Vegas Valley will absolutely support an NBA team here. Uh, yes, they've had issues with attendance with UNLV basketball. College basketball is a different thing than the NBA. I get all that, but here in Vegas, we love the best of the best, right? We love the best entertainers. We love the best comedians. We love the best everything. And so, obviously, the Vegas Golden Knights are the best right now in the NHL, Stanley Cup champions, right? The Las Vegas Aces, they're the best. They're, they're the best in the WNBA. And they're here in Vegas. They've carved out their niche. And of course, uh, you know, the Oakland A's, they're the Oakland A's. We'll see how that all works out. But, uh, the NBA is the best of the best. It's the best, NBA, it's the best basketball league in the world. You have the biggest stars when it comes to the game. that game, the game of basketball, playing in that league. And uh, Chuck's just pulled up uh, a view of the court, too, by the way. A lot going on as far as the courts, the uh, in-season tournament court there at T-Mobile Arena. Got a lot of blue, a lot of red little bit of parquet action going on.
7: Looks almost like a Pistons court.
0: Yeah, I, that, would be, I, that, that would be a perfect Pistons I didn't, I didn't Pistons want to court. go the home route. No, numchuck, no, that, that's a Pistons but court. But you know what? That's a Detroit Pistons court right there. I'm sorry it is. It's a Detroit Pistons court. All right? It's the Detroit Pistons colors. And ironically, the Detroit Pistons have lost 18 in a row. Now, Chuck, a side note. 18 in a row they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies last night, who I believe are like the second worst team in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. Because uh, I saw a post on X yesterday where there uh one of the media members in Detroit was saying how, Oh, I applaud all uh, you handful of fans that showed up at, at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit to watch the Pistons and the Grizzlies go at it. Well I don't know what the numbers exactly were, it a combined uh you know winning percentage of, of uh you know eighty seven or something like that. But the Pistons lots easier. So they're nowhere near this tournament, right? They're nowhere near it but they have the Detroit Pistons colors on the court. So I guess there is a little bit of a of a Motown presence when it comes to the tournament, Chuck. But that's what's different what's different about this in-season tournament is that you got superstars here, right? You got Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that's going to be a contender in the East for a long time. As long as, you know, Giannis stays healthy and, you know, obviously they acquired Damian Lillard as well too. He's also here right? You've got LeBron and AD and this Laker team here, right? You've got Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans here. Zion, a little bit of a rough start to his career, but still expected to kind of be the guy in New Orleans. And you got a team in the Indiana Pacers. Look, you're a little bit of a drop-off there when you're talking about star power. This kid Tyrese Halliburton's a good player. they got uh, uh, you know a handful of other players. And they've kind of been a surprise in the Eastern Conference, to be quite honest with you. But uh, not exactly an electrifying team. But, but hey, they're going to be playing in that, in that game against Milwaukee, and the Bucks are a short favorite in that 2 o'clock tip-off here in town. But uh, it's a good thing. It's another chance for Vegas to see the NBA on the Vegas stage and for Adam Silver and, you know, potential owners to even feel better about having an NBA team here. But I'm telling you, I'm, I, I'm excited about the sports landscape that is Las Vegas in the next four, five, six years, nunchuck. I really am. And I'm sure you are, too, out there. You know, PTL Nation, you are. 702-221-7283, your thoughts on this in-season tournament and everything going on with this, with the four teams in town as they tip it off uh, just after this show tips off. Um, Do a little simulcast out there, Vegas. How about a little simulcast? A little T.C. Martin show, right? And then uh, pop on your TV and check out some uh, NBA basketball. That's a, that's, that's, a, that's a C-win recommendation right there. So we've got the in-game tournament going on. Um, I talked about uh, some of the changes, right, that are going to take place because of the shooting here at UNLV. So they canceled the UNLV Dayton basketball game. It was in Dayton yesterday, but obviously out of respect for everything that went down on campus here. They ended up making changes. So UNLV President Keith Whitfield came out and made some comments about how... And I, I can paraphrase pretty much nunchuck about what was said. He essentially said that uh, a lot of social activities and uh, and and school-related activities are going to be postponed until Sunday. But athletics will go on as scheduled when it comes to uh, the athletic department. So why, do, why does that matter? Well, UNLV is... Uh, Because of the rodeo being in town, they are not at the Thomas & Mack Center and uh, Cox Pavilion. So they're playing their next two games, and they'll play Loyola Marymount on Saturday at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. So UNLV will be playing games there. Um, Quick note, too. Uh, as the Vegas Golden Knights are also on the road, they played at St. Louis last night, got the win. By the way, uh, major appreciation and props to the city of St. Louis and to the St. Louis Blues for uh, tri- giving a tribute to UNLV uh, pregame and a moment of silence for the shooting that took place. That was uh, super, super classy as how they handled that. Uh, but the Vegas Golden Knights are on the road. So the Golden Knights were playing in St. Louis. They'll play, I believe, in Dallas on Friday night, if I'm not mistaken, or Friday or Saturday. So Golden Knights not in town. But uh So it'll just be the, it'll be the basically in the in season tournament for the NBA that's going to be here in town. And then of course you've got the, the, the Cowboys are all in town too as well. So you've got that going on. And I expect there'll be proper tributes as well too at all those events that are taking place with that. But, uh, but going back to the NBA, going back to the NBA, right? This is, this is another opportunity for them to shine. Here in town, well, and hopefully we get a couple exciting games. There's been a lot of a lot of these in season tournament games have been pretty exciting, right? And have been uh, kind of you know down to the wire type events, so it should be exciting. Another big story that I wanted to kind of touch on really quick uh, that went down today was in the world of golf. So there's been obviously discussion that you know the merger, I guess is the way I'll put it, between Live Golf and the PGA Tour has been kind of bantered about for months. I don't think there's been a final decision yet made as far as exactly what uh, their kind of power-sharing situation is going to be. But in a deal that could have a far-reaching impact, Numpchuck and PTL Nation, on the future landscape of professional golf, Masters champion and number one golfer in the world, John Rahm, has agreed to lead the PGA Tour for the Saudi Arabian-financed Live Golf League. Sources confirmed today on ESPN. Uh, Live Golf is expected to announce John Rahm's addition Thursday, barring a last-minute change of heart from the former number one player in the world. De- deal believed to be th- uh, three years, reportedly worth three hundred million dollars, plus an ownership stake in the new Live team, according to sources. Now the way Live does things, is they have like teams, I guess, and they uh, and he'll be basically like, a captain of a team, I guess, or like an owner of a team, essentially, and then try to like draw more. Golfers into, uh, you know, onto said team. And uh, as I just pointed out, this decision comes at a time where the PJ Tour and the Saudi Arabian's public investment fund are attempting to kind of hammer out, hammer out the final details of the framework agreement that would combine their commercial interests in the new for profit entity, right? Combining the two leagues, essentially, right? And we understand a lot of you that follow the story know, you know, kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of it this is a a scenario in which saudi arabia essentially is trying essentially is trying to to cleanse their image right from a sports standpoint because of uh human rights violations and and some of their their political stances uh the assassination of jamal Khashoggi the journalist from saudi arabia who uh, who was actually a resident of the united states was a washington dc resident and who was horrifically murdered and and it's believed that uh, MBS, the uh, crown prince of Saudi Arabia, was involved in some way, shape, or form in that assassination. And so, again, the idea, you know—to to kind of paraphrase, the idea is that Saudi Arabia is doing this to try to cleanse their image, right? To try to to clean things up. And the PGA Tour initially took an adversarial approach to it, and now uh, have caved essentially. And there's going to be like a combination between the two. So it's kind of a big deal because you got one you know, one of the best players in the world. Again, looked at as jumping ship from the PGA tour and going to the Lib Tour. So we'll see how this all shakes out. Don't know, you know, uh if if it's gonna really have a, a major effect when it comes to uh the fandom that is golf, right? And whether or not the fans really care if there is a merger between the two and if they want to bring their politics into it, that's fine. But uh there's still a lot to, to break down when it comes to exactly what's going to happen and transpire in that situation between live golf and the PGA tour. But uh, big name, John Rahm uh, going to the live tour. That's a uh, big news. So uh, it's been a, it's been a uh, interesting show folks. I uh, appreciate uh, all of you that had a chance to chime in on the phone lines and uh, got a chance to talk about some serious topics. Uh, once again, we send our condolences and our thoughts out to the family members that lost their loved ones there at UNLV. And, uh, Hope for the uh, swift recovery of that uh, individual that is in the uh, in the hospital over at Sunrise here in Las Vegas. And uh, it's going to be an eventful weekend without question, uh, from both from a sports standpoint and from an entertainment standpoint here in Las Vegas. Brian Shapiro will be back tomorrow. Thanks to uh, Justin Chuck, Numb Chuck, for making us sound and look good here in the studio. My name is Chris Wynn. Uh, you can find me all over the airwaves here in Las Vegas from a sports standpoint, especially uh, as I host shows uh, all across the dial here in town, you can find me on social media at Christian Wynn on X slash Twitter, and also streaming on uh, TikTok as well as Instagram. and Instagram, I'm C Win 77. Uh, those youngsters, those people that know when it comes to social media, say you should have C Win. You should have you should have one name for all your social media. It makes it more cohesive. It makes it more it's uh, easier to deal with. I think that's right. But uh, I really appreciate everybody listening today. Have a great Thursday, everyone. Brian Shapiro back on Friday with all the details of uh, his excursion over T-Mobile Arena for the NBA in-season tournament. T.C. Martin coming up next. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon here at KSHP Las Vegas. And streaming on the World Wide Web at all things PTL Vegas.